Lambert und Karl-Heinz Riedle 1 zu 0 für Borussia Dortmund. meine Damen und Herren. Welcome back to another German football podcast. Um, not as much of an exciting week as we had last week. Obviously, we called it the madness of the Bundesliga and then it just died at the weekend. Nothing happened at all. The games were a bit terrible, apart from maybe the Bayern Dortmund game. But um, we're back with another episode. We've got a special guest on again today. But first, um, Colin, how are you doing, mate? You good? Not bad, yeah. Very hard to watch Bundesliga weekend, but we'll, we'll try and make it sound exciting. Yeah, well, to be fair, it distracted us from the, what was going on in Scottish football at the weekend, which we'll, we will not talk about at all, uh, just for, for all, all, all our sakes, but mostly our own. But we'll, we'll introduce our guest. Um, so for, for today's episode, we've got the, the cater of Hab Fear, the, um, the fanzine that's it's become really popular in the past few while. We, both of us enjoy it as well. Uh, but Fergal, Fergal McAvoy, how are you doing, mate? You good? Yeah, I'm great, Roy. Thanks for bringing me along. Yeah, issue five just just out the door last week, so I, I can relax for another few weeks before I start on issue six. Ah, definitely. It's a never-ending never slog, but really enjoyable. So yeah, no, I can imagine. It seems like a really enjoyable project um, that you must have really enjoyed um, creating, and now looking at where it is now, it must be quite exciting for you. Yeah, yeah, I had, I had always had an interest in kind of German football and Fortuna Dusseldorf. Like it was decent enough kind of coverage in the UK, but it was largely the, the big clubs, like your Bar Munich, your Dortmund, and maybe the lower clubs when they were playing English opposition in the Champions League or Europa League. But it was kind of just match reporting and it didn't really whet my appetite for like the German scene. I go over to Germany, well, did go over to Germany three or four times a season with me two lads to watch games. And I thought there was something missing out there, kind of an English-speaking magazine stroke fanzine on kind of German fan culture. So I thought last year I'd give it a go Christmas, well, Christmas 2019. So got the first issue out the door early March last year, and lo and behold... COVID-19 kicked in the following week and we've kind of been living under that cloud since. Ah, yeah, definitely. But did anything inspire you to kind of do it as well? Obviously, you know, you said that you're interested in German football, but was there anything else you took ideas from to make it happen or was it just something that no, came from your own? No, no, no. There's, there's a lot of great kind of, like our, our slogan is um, analogue in a digital world. And there's a lot of great kind of print football magazines out there. Sadly, kind of Mundial has bitten the dust during the pandemic, but there's things like these football times, the blizzard, nutmeg, which I particularly enjoy, which is kind of all about Scottish football. So I thought uh, there was a possibility of having think something, albeit on a far kind of a smaller scale, about, about German football. Yeah, and um, one, the one thing I enjoy is I love the name of it because... Uh, I have fear of just, it, 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 is, it is German football, you know, it's for, to translate it to folk who might not be aware, have fear is the time of half three, which is very confusing. And when you, you speak to Germans about time, it's just, you don't talk about half past the hour because they don't understand the way we do it. And we don't understand the way they do it. 
but a hub fear obviously means half four, so it's halfway to four. So that's kind of where the, the name comes. Obviously, is, did, was that just what? How did the name come about? Was it just you, you thought German? Well, 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 I was, yeah, I was kind of kicking around with names, and I wanted something that kind of conveyed the traditional ethos of the game. And obviously, there's the kind of lot of farm protests against Monday Night Football, and slowly but surely, like what's happening over in the UK, the kind of three o'clock traditional British kickoff time is sadly disappearing, especially now during the pandemic when you look if there's one or two games. And that was kind of happening in German football as well. So I, I did a quick Google search and thought, Hob, beard, there's a, I can get account and Twitter and I can get a Gmail address so little did I realise that somebody told me I think an issue to the I mean the Bielefeld match day programme is also called half year as well All right. so for about 30 seconds I had a crisis of confidence and thought oops have I stood on someone's toes but I got a copy of the programme where our paths don't collide in any shape or form so yeah yeah, how, how really did you get into German football? I know you mentioned Fortuna Düsseldorf. Obviously, I'm wearing a Fortuna top, but you're wearing a classic top from the 90s as well. Just yeah, yeah. Roy I'm, is probably I'm, I'm, disgusted I'm, with. I'll allow it. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm showing my age here. I kind of spent a summer back in the mid-1980s, so summer in Düsseldorf. So I went to the Rhine Stadium, I think. Once to the Rhine Stadium and saw them play on track Frankfurt and also a pre-season game, I think, the Pollyanna Stadium against Rothfuss Air Force. Went to a couple other games in Mönchengladbach in Duisburg as well. A lot, I like the atmosphere, obviously, Dusseldorf. They were in the Bundesliga at the time, very lowly ranked. I'm not a glory, glory hunter. Everton is my team in England, so I don't pick a team from that's win trophy. So I, lo- I like the vibe. So I stuck with kind of Fortuna Dusseldorf. Little did I know a few years later, they'd be down in the fourth year of German football. And they were a bit of a kind of yo-yo club up and down throughout the intervening years. Obviously for the first spot, 10, 15 years of following, it was very hard to keep track of their results. Very, no real internet, social media isn't well, there was no social media and very hard to kind of get match day results. You had to wait for a World Soccer or some of the kind of British newspapers in the Monday to have the match day results. So it was kind of hanging on there. And obviously now it's far more accessible. Dusseldorf is a great place to go and base yourself for a weekend of ground hopping in. Fortuna Dusseldorf is probably one of the few few clubs that it's relatively easy to get match day tickets. So yeah, yeah, I can relate to that because um, you know I've been to a couple of Fortuna games now. They're probably as people, listeners are know in the podcast, they're probably my favourite German team. That I would consider my first game I went to was the Werder Bremen game a couple of seasons ago. They won four one. I also got to the away end at Mönchengladbach for the Fortuna game. Was meant to go last year as well, but because of the pandemic, that trip get cancelled. So yeah, uh, just from trips. I mean, I think most folk will go to North Rhine-Westphalia, uh, travel for German football games. I think Düsseldorf is a favourite for people to base themselves on. Yeah. Um, if you if you go for the weekend, you're either going to stay in Köln or Düsseldorf. 
in Afghanistan, like Dortmund or Mönchengladbach going in. The night, the nightlife is great, and yeah, it's a bonus. Uh, obviously, you can get easy enough to pick up tickets for Fortune again. And that's what we try and encourage people: is if you go and see a Bundesliga game, go to a dry to league game or go to a regional league game as well, because to be honest, they're probably more enjoyable. Some of them you can have a a beer stand in the terraces, close proximity to the players. So yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah, no, it is. It's because um, I did the same thing, and I've been to. I went in the same weekend to Düsseldorf and Köln. So you can, you can, you can tell me what you will about fans being a fan of Köln and still going to Düsseldorf and still buying a Düsseldorf scarf. But that that scarf is now in the back of a cupboard somewhere. Uh, but it's it's an it's an amazing area of Germany. I mean, it's I mean it's one of the most populated parts of Europe. So you expect it to have the football environment that it has, and it's very. Uh, working class environment so you can tell by the way the teams are of Schalke and Dortmund for example you know being part of that area um, but is there any teams that you've been to around this area that you would think you know if you're going to start in Düsseldorf or Köln try this team but uh, because there's so many around this area that is there any you actually recommend? Well, uh, to, to be honest most of my kind of lower league games have been in, in the Berlin area around but around the kind of Köln Düsseldorf area there's, there's so many kind of former great teams living on relatively hard times, the likes of Rock Vices and uh, Oberhaus and Wuppertal Wow, There's some great, great teams out there in really old school stadiums, or well, most of them old school, that are definitely kind of worth, worth a visit. I've been writing a list of kind of grounds I need to visit post-pandemic, and the list, the list is getting longer by the day. Yeah, and it's, it's really hard not to. Like, I, I, I moved to Germany to get to more German games, and I've lived in Germany for what, six months now, and I've been to more games when I didn't live here than I have been, you know, living here. So it's, it's crazy with the pandemic. It's kind of, it's unfortunately ruined the whole ground hopping aspect that was becoming. I mean, it's been a big thing for a long time coming to German games, but now it's becoming a tradition of people will grab their friends and they'll go to North Rhine-Westphalia, they'll go to Berlin. I mean, some make it down to the south as well, but like those are the main kind of areas and it's it's a, it's a great tradition and you just, it's just a different, would you say it's a different experience to go to a UK game than go to a German game? Totally, uh, especially the lower league games. Now, it's very hard to, I think Mines maybe is the only place I've kind of lucky enough to get tickets kind of the home end on, on the terrace. It is very hard to get those kind of 10 or 15 euro tickets that mm. stay plus the terrace tickets. And if you go to the likes of Schalke or if you go to the likes of Dortmund, you, you could be paying 40, 50 euros a ticket. But there are kind of iconic European stadiums that you've got to visit at least once. Obviously, the fact that the atmosphere is far more buoyant You've got safe standing, you can bring alcohol, you're trusted enough to actually bring alcohol to your seat and, and not be in use. And so, plus the kind of public transport infrastructure, like that whole area, getting from Cone to Dortmund and back again on a day that might be 70 miles distance between the two, but it's easily achievable. I suppose the one worry post pandemic is. Yes, the stadiums will all open and we'll all get to go to games again. But I think for a few years, it's going to be very hard for people who aren't members or in fan groups actually get tickets to those matches, especially in the Bundesliga. 
Yeah, I was actually thinking for that as well, actually, because even thinking about my team and Colin, you'll be the same. Like, surely the first game's going to be sold out for every every club. The first game that you can have full attendance, you must think that every club is going to have a sellout, even for people who just don't go very often. And you'll find that with German football as well. I don't think, um, I, I totally agree with that. I think it'll be really difficult to get a ticket for any game coming forward. I'm, I'm sure the kind of capacity might be limited to 50, 60, 70%, who knows? So for that, there'll be a certain time period where I think it'll be extra hard to get match tickets. All the more reason to go to kind of lower league games to kind of help out clubs who probably need the Euros more, which I'm sure it'll be a lot easier to get into games like that. But yeah. Really looking forward to it, so hopefully start the next season, let's see. Yeah, well, hopefully we can. Um, and that's is that's something that kind of resonates a lot with Help Fear is that a lot of the articles do talk about what the fans are like here and what the, the fan culture is like here. Um, is that something you always wanted to implement when you, you launched it, that it was going to be about, it wasn't going to be a, a normal, like, oh, this is the Bundesliga, this is Vitaly, it was going to be, this is, this, this is German football, this is the fans, this is the culture. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit of, a lot of them are the kind of, kind of, we'll say, the historic game, the social and cultural aspects. One or two issues, kind of, one or two articles per issue, people do write about their match day experiences. And they've kind of enjoyed the kind of, the fan culture and the ultra culture. We've, we've got uh, one uh, guy, I think, Connor Parry, who's written two and another article in issue six, who kind of in, enjoys, he's really into that kind of ultra fan culture. That, that's what he writes about. And then we've obviously got Felix Tamsut, who's based in Cologne, yeah. who writes from a kind of political pr- perspective and how kind of the vigilance of the kind of German police and judiciary are kind of making it very hard for kind of Ultra, ultra movements these days to kind of up, upgrade effectively. So yeah, we do. It's not what we're all about, but it, it's a certain aspect of each issue is about fan culture. Yeah, so I think a big thing that people notice about how fear is like the different cover art, like it's always some sort of inspiration from German music. I mean, the last issue, with, well, the current issue is the low David Bowie cover recording Berlin. So where did the inspiration for that come up with? That's quite a unique idea, I think. Yeah, it kind of first started the first issue. I always thought needed something. I love my kind of German music, be kind of crowd rock or electronica. So for the first issue, I always had thought of kind of an iconic Kraftwerk album and it was that kind of Autobahn cover. It was just a play on the colours, red, yellow and black, kind of the German national colours. And second issue, I think it was, we did one um, on the band Neue and they have an album too, or so I, and with that iconic culture, we kind of started going down a rabbit hole that people were saying, yeah, I love the covers. So we kind of got into it further. Issue three was the first where we kind of commenced or commissioned uh, an artist to do so. Probably my favourite Kraftwerk album is Man Machine, which is that iconic cover, the four of them in the kind of red shirts and the black tie. Always want to do something like that with, I started with 
kind of four English players in the Bundesliga. I think it was uh, Luckman, John Joe Kenny, Jaden Sancho, and I think perhaps Stephen Penny, who was at St. Pauli. And it didn't really work out. We couldn't get the correct images. Then I thought Germany and West Germany have won the World Cup four times. Why not have the kind of four captains in that iconic cover piece? And, and, and that was it. So we, for the five issues, they've all been kind of based on um, German album covers. I said the latest was David Bowie, Low for the DDR issue. We took a bit of artistic license there. Obviously, Low was in West Berlin. I couldn't really find an album by an East German band that we could put on the front cover. But I think we'll stop that. Maybe it's got legs for one or two more issues, but don't think I. And I must shout out to, there's a guy in Leeds, uh, his name is Paul Jobson, who's really helped me out. He always fires away uh, an idea or two. So he's the kind of part inspiration where, where to, what albums to look at to feature on the front cover. Have you had a, yeah. an article that's came up that you've um, that you've made something you maybe not known about, and it's been your favourite thing that's came out of Hal Pierce so far? What uh, in terms of articles or in terms of yeah, just in terms of articles and like things that, like history parts that you might you've not figured out yeah, yourself. Yeah, before, yeah, what was, uh, uh, yeah, uh, a guy called a Weymouth fan called Kenny Lake, who's based in Dusseldorf, in issue two wrote and took some great photos on. Rushi Non Kirshen's historic ground in Allenfeld. And uh, they must be in the sixth tier of kind of Starland football now. It's a great, it's a great kind of historic piece and it's some brilliant photos just taken with an iPhone. I think we could only put in about maybe three in the article, but it took nine or ten photos. And the amount of people who subsequently said, that is the first, I never knew that stadium existed. What an old school ground that is. I'm definitely going to visit that post-pandemic. Post so, but there's been some great articles written, made some like really good contacts and friends since, since issue one. And long may it continue. It would be nice for people to get back in grounds that could kind of write about the current match they've seen and take for photos but hopefully fingers crossed move, moving on I, I think I, I saw you tweet today about um, the three grounds you're looking forward to most visiting after the yeah, pandemic yeah, yeah. I believe yeah. am I right in thinking that Neunkirchen was one of them yeah yeah Bruce and Neunkirchen uh, 1860s ground and ooh, what was the last one the Stadion. yeah yeah exactly for yeah Berliner AKO7 that's obviously uh, probably second to the Olympic Stadium. Well, it's the probably most historical ground in, in Berlin. It's where uh, Germany lost to that 1936 Olympic game, 2-0 to Ost, to Norway, allegedly the only football match that Adolf Hitler ever attended. So it's Grounded in history. I, I was lucky enough to get to Berlin last October when there was a kind of break in the lockdown. I got to see the post stadium just from the outside. There's no match and all, all the gates were locked up, but yes, yeah, it's, it's definitely up there for stadiums to visit kind of post-pandemic. But the reaction to that tweet has been great and there's been some 
great suggestion for for grants people want to get into. Obviously, Union Berlin is high up there. Westfalen Stadion, Borussia Dortmund, but there's some lower, really obscure lower league clubs that people would still love to go and see. The um, I think the Grunwald Stadion is a really good shout. Um, because uh, 1860 is a lot more like their spiritual home now in the Gießen district of Munich. Because previously they'd been at the Allianz Arena, but that was such a soulless experience, especially with 1860 maybe only getting about 20 odd thousand in such a big stadium. And now they're in the Dritteliga and such a compact ground. So I think that would also be one of my top grounds to go to. I'd really like to visit that. It's probably difficult for the future if they eventually get promoted because it's such a a small ground, but I think other ones are like of Dresden and maybe St. Pauli that I'd like to go to. There's just so many. And you, you could see from the reply to that tweet, there's just so many grounds and across the divisions that people would like to go to. I, I was lucky enough to get to the game in St. Pauli and that is like one of the hardest places to get a ticket for, but definitely if you're lucky, it's definitely work, works. Uh, getting to, but it's a good point you made, Colin, about 1860 because it's amazing. There's a, I'd say, one of the differences between maybe English and German football is that English fans are kind of far more readily willing to sell their soul for success at the club, whereas teams like 1860, I think they'd rather be in a, a small, outdated stadium with little match day revenue, but still kind of keep their heart and the soul. Of the club going rather than, as you say, being out in a kind of soulless venue like the Allianz Arena. When you look at, um, like, like we're talking about your tweet earlier, see when you see that and you get the the reaction that it does, does it just like, did it make you think that the community that has and like the kind of, I'm assuming it's a lot of British culture comes from it. It's the the community that comes from it. It's just massive and it's it's totally un like. In the past couple of years, like the past 10 years or so, I think it's definitely just risen. The, the, the community that's came together from it, it's just amazing to see, isn't it? The, the, the passion people have for the German game. Totally. And I, I don't think it's an English, I don't think it's a, a British thing. Like we featured in uh, one or two Norwegian podcasts, and I say about 15% of all sales must go to Norway. We sold copies. I remember one not so long ago within the space of an hour two orders came in for Boise in Idaho and Rostov on Don in Russia so I thought two ends of the world and uh, those two people are, are reading hard fear so I've got really good feeling about that but yeah there's a massive kind of ground hopping culture out there and obviously the vast majority of people do, do go to the German stadiums and as you say there is a really big community out there yeah, it's so refreshing to see, and it's just it's, it's amazing. Like I, I think um one thing that's well received is the Germans receive it really well as well when you're there. And I don't know how many experiences you've had with you. I think you always end up speaking to local fans, and they always they're always so interested in why you're at their stadium, yeah. especially if you go to a, a lower game. I went to a Fortuna Köln game uh, during the the pandemic and stuff, and somebody had vaccine. They're like, why why are you here? Like you're Scottish, why are you at Fortuna Kellen? And it just they don't. I think um, when they, they see foreign fans coming in, it's just it must be so exciting. I mean, have you had any really cool experiences like that with um, any local and fans and smaller clubs? Or yeah, yeah. Funny enough, we went to see Victoria Berlin in 
I think when it was over in October now, they're running away with the regional league in Nordost, and you get an automatic promotion into the Dry Liga for next season. But there must have been only about four, 400, 500 fans there. But during the second half, we walked over to the other side of the ground, and these four guys stopped us and said, The usual, what are you doing here? Why did you pick Victoria Berlin? Oh, it's great, great uh, for you to come and see our club. And, we went back to the pub with them afterwards just to watch the conference. And I never got so wasted in a long, long time. Was uh, the the and, and the snaps came out and everything. The, the Sunday was in, uh, nearly a write-off. But yeah, it's, it's, it's great. And I said, that's why I'd urge everyone to kind of go into a few uh, local league games because I think your support is far more appreciated then, obviously. The Bundesliga teams aren't going to take much notice of three or four groundhoppers going to visit the club. But what is interesting, and maybe it's an article for a future issue, there is still there's a really big tradition of German fans coming over to English and Scottish grounds to do the 92 or I think it's in 46 in Scotland mm. to try uh, and do all, all yeah. the stuff. 42, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, it, it works, but uh, it kind of works both ways. But those Ryanair flights that I used to get from kind of Manchester Airport on a Friday morning, half, half the flight was was going to be at Frankfurt to Cologne, especially when you go to like, the, like in Dusseldorf Station at 11 a.m. on a Saturday morning, the amount of different jerseys you see people yeah. heading to Bochum, to Essen, over to kind of Gelsenkirchen or uh, Dortmund. It's, it's magic. It's, it's so good. Yeah. Um, um, Colin, have you had any like you had any other experiences like that as well? Like being over in a game, just being like, what's, it, what's this random Scottish did doing in our stadium? Quite often, yeah. I think just the most you get, I think, is maybe on the S-Bahn and people just hear a foreign voice. Hmm. I remember I remember when me and my brother went to Stuttgart and there's these two girls sitting beside us and they kept staring at us and I think it was just because of the accent. They're like, where are you, like, where are you from? But I think Stuttgart, Stuttgart doesn't really seem to be the kind of ground a lot of people go to, like ground hopping. I think it's uh, the region isn't really is populated with big clubs as maybe North Rhine Westphalia, so maybe they're not quite as used to it. But I can certainly remember the likes of Schalke and Dusseldorf, just people in the, the trains hearing your voice and then they just start a conversation. Sometimes they just remember at Cologne, eh, these two guys just asked a question in German, then I was like, I first day nicht. And then, <laughs> but then it just it yeah. just starts a conversation. It was really good. And, no, it does, and strange. Cologne's the most international, one of the most international cities in Germany as well. So, like, you think that if they hear you speak in English at some point, they wouldn't just go straight over German. Uh, just being here. And then the conversation, they were trying to get me to work for the Ford factory in Cologne or something. I was like, uh, everyone works for them. <laughs> but it, and the Stuttgart was interesting though, because Stuttgart's an area the Baden Württemberg's place that I kind of want to see because you do have, I, I, I think you do have a lot of teams down there because you've got. Stuttgart, Karlsruhe, Mannheim, uh, Hoffenheim's not too far away, Frankfurt's not too far away either, and the kind of Hessen region. I'd not be a, I would be one that I, I don't think many people go to, but there's so many interesting teams down that way 
uh, Baton Wurttemberg and Rhineland Harz and Mainz as well. You can include there. That was a great stadium. You, I think you said, Fergie, you'd been there as well. It's yeah, not the old one, just to the new one, which is kind of yeah. a bit bit soulless on the edge of town in like in the in the middle of nowhere. But they've got one massive terrace be, behind the goal. And what you said, Ryan, about going to other destinations—that's a great shout out. I suppose kind of Stuttgart. There's no real low cost airline flying there from from the UK. Frankfurt is very good for visits. You've obviously got uh, two clubs in Frankfurt. You've got the likes of Darmstadt, not too far away. You go down towards the county, you've got Kaiser Lauts, and then you go down to Saarland, you've got the likes of Saarbrook, and who were regional league, they're now in the Dreiter League, but they're doing well this season. And the ultimate destination, Bruce and Neunkirchen. So yeah. you've got to go to I suppose Cologne, Dusseldorf, or Berlin, perhaps Hamburg for your first stop. But after that, there's loads of other destinations. Even the likes of Munich, you've got so many clubs in around Munich. You've got Nuremberg and you've got Greuther first within an hour's train journey. So they, uh, there's loads of possibilities out there. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely it's a really exciting kind of a thing to be able to do all the, the ground hopping and things. Going back to kind of how few stuff, just kind of wrap up where we're going with that. You obviously had you had your um, your your bobble hats came out and they were a really big hit uh, when when they were launched. Is, is there something you're looking to go into again? Uh, like different. Yeah, kind of- well, they've come out, but they haven't come out. That was the kind of pre-sales. The hats have been knitted. They're all ready to go. We're just waiting for the hot beer labels on on the front of the hat. So they're probably another two weeks away. Yeah. I look out the window every morning and see it's getting two or three degrees warmer. <laughs> Those hats should have come out in the middle of January. Probably something will do, maybe another hat towards the end of the year when winter appears. So, yeah, I'd like to do uh, other stuff, probably kind of maybe some merchandise, but I work full time. And to be honest, mm. half year more or less takes up. The getting out of each issue takes up nearly all my spare time. But yeah, are you wanting to take it to kind of that level? You're quite happy with where you're going just now. You know, it's, 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 it's something you thought about. And it's it's hard because each kind of say each issue sells more, more and more, but it takes a lot more work. I'm conscious of the fact of the amount of effort that goes into it, and I want to spend time. People have commented the fact that. This issue is better than the last issue. And I kind of want it at least keeping each issue moving forward at, at this level now. But we'll we'll see what see what happens in the future. Obviously, it comes out four times a year, which doesn't seem much, but it does take up a long, long time. Like I've said, issue five is more or less sold out now. I'll give myself a week off and it's kind of starting on issue six and a lot of the articles are already commissioned but from signing off on each piece to getting it printed it's the best part of four weeks so there is a lot of lead, lead, lead in time yeah lengthy process you'd say yeah yeah and I, I thought I've been working from home for the past 12 months and I thought if anything up that would give me more time it doesn't it gives me less time but uh-huh. it is what it is listen it's got a good reaction and I'm enjoying doing this so yeah long may yeah. continue uh, that's great. Um, when when do you think we'll be able to expect the next issue? And just other things like where, if people haven't bought it before, where can they buy it from? Okay, yeah, so we're out 
issue five came out beginning of March. So it's kind of March, June, September, December time. All the first four copies have sold out. I've got one or two copies knocking around the house of issue two onwards in print. Issue one is a complete no-go. I've seen people pleading for them on Twitter. I've seen one or two being sold on eBay. E each copy is available to buy digitally or printed copies on the, on the big cartel store. But I would urge anyone, take out a subscription that way you're not going to miss out on any kind of issue moving forward. And if you take out the subscription, it, it does cost less. The one the one thing Roy is posted costs are a nightmare, especially abroad. Yeah, I can imagine. People are saying, oh, your magazines or your fanzine sells for five pounds and you're charging six pounds postage. That is the cost of postage. There's nothing I can do about it. It's just one of those things. No, it's great. Uh, we, I mean, we can both vouch for it. I know Ronan can as well. We're both big fans of it as well. So it's okay. it's a great thing. And if anyone hasn't, which I think if they're listening to this, they probably will have already heard of it. Uh, like, will already have either read it or been a member of it. So it's really, it's really exciting thing to get involved in if you haven't anyway. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's great. Yes, thanks for that. Ah, no problem. So I think what we'll do is we'll move into the, the what happened at the weekend. And like I mentioned at the start, it just wasn't as exciting as the weekend before. Uh, a couple of big games were there and they just, they, they, I mean, even, I don't know, we'll get into the Bayern Dortmund game in a bit, but you start on the Friday night and Fergal, I don't know how much you watched the game. If you if you watched it, if you turned it off, if you if you wanted to watch it, but Schalke Mainz, it was just a, it's like both teams met before the game and went, you know what, see if we don't both try and score. We won't lose. Let's just do that. And that, that's what happened. And that was the, that's how you sum up the game basically, wasn't it? Actually, I, I wasted nothing in my downtime on a Friday because I, I, I didn't watch it. And I'm glad I, I didn't for the match reports afterwards. I see Kicker do a kind of give each match in the Bundesliga since something going back to the mid-1990s, a mark from one to six. Mm. One being like a classic and six being the worst game of all time. And then they've kind of graded the last 9,000 matches and this was one of the six games previously to get six, i.e. it was goddamn awful. So wow. I'm glad I didn't waste any of my time watching. But it was a match Schalke had to win. This was really the last chance of kind of picking up points against it team who were just above them in the league and, and they blew it. Do you think that it's inevitable now? I mean, I think it has been for a while, but is it easy, it's easy to say now it's inevitable. Schalke will be as vital I, as I, I, I think Schalke know that themselves and hence the change in management. They, this guy isn't going to uh, do any miracles this season. I think they're preparing for life in this wider league. But if anything, it's going to be very hard for them. They're not a Paderborn or they're not a, a Dusseldorf who maybe are kind of used to going down, who've got that infrastructure to give it a go to come straight back up. There's going to be, at the end of the season, there'll be a massive fire sale in uh, Gelsenkirchen, I imagine. Schalke are going to have to sell off any player who's worth selling off. And over the years, what's been apparent is they haven't invested in the youth structure. So where are those players going to come from, sadly? Definitely. Do you think the um, Hamburger as well might serve as a good warning for them? Or do you think they might 
completely bypass that one and then they might end up similar to how has Fallow been in the past couple of years? It's 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 hard to say. They they could be even another Kaiser Latter and they could go down through the leagues. They may not even kind of be one of the teams fighting for promotion. Obviously, the kind of whose financial crisis in, in shock and the loss of kind of revenue from the top tier is going to be very significant. A lot of kind of their backers have pulled out in the past few years. So I I, I, I do fear for for them next season and where they'll end up. And ironically, the, the Bochum will probably get promoted, so they won't even have the consolation of a Revere Derby in this wider league. It'll be another Revere Derby, but without Schalke this time. That's, that's a good point, actually. Bochum, and, uh, there was, I mean, the last time I think Bochum were the highest team in the the, the rural region was what, early to like, the last time they were in a couple of last time they were in the Bundesliga or even early two thousands. They were the, like, the last time they were the, the top team in the rural. Imagine, imagine not having Schalke and Bochum in the same league. It just it'd be so disappointing for them as well. Uh, but I think I mean I think everyone's talked about Schalke a lot this season, and we've kind of exhausted them as well. So Colin Mainz. They're your new favourite team. You keep, you've said a long time ago, and I'll, I'll, I'll accept it once it's happened, but you said a long time ago that Mainz will stay up. Do you think? Do you still think that? I still think so. I'm still going to stick by that prediction. I mean, it was such a wasted opportunity, though, this game. I mean, Schalke were definitely the worst team. Mainz had so much of the ball. I mean, 19 shots to two, Mainz had, but they still didn't really look close to scoring. Just poor finishing poor final ball, whatever it was. Uh, yeah, they were far more in control, so it was a, a great opportunity for them. And with Hertha winning and Bielefeld obviously get their game in hand tomorrow, it's a bit concerning for them. But I'm still going to stick that prediction that they'll stay up. Very confident. Do you think that, like, I mean, it was very obvious when it happened, but obviously Mateta uh, leaving in January... But like you can see, they're still getting the opportunities and they're getting nineteen shots. But like, do you think they're just missing that top striker? Because um, Sarai just wasn't at it. There was a couple of chances he could have had. He had a couple, the one that the head, the cross came in in the header, and he he just was nowhere near it. And you'd expect your number nine to get his head on that and connect. Do you think it's just they they are going to end up missing that striker in the end, in Mateta? Yeah, because I mean, Shalai, he's been a good servant for a number of clubs over the last few years but I don't he's not a top quality striker it's certainly not in the level of Mateta they brought in Robert Glatzel who a decent striker but he's never going to be in the same level as Mateta he's mainly been a, a second tier striker throughout his career and then they could rely on Robin Quise on last season but I don't really know what's happened to him this season he's I mean he didn't even get a start on Friday night so they don't really have that consistent goal threat that that's probably their weakness. In certain players have fed in recently, like Kevin Stuger scored a couple of goals, but they don't really have that Mateta threat. But really, from reports, they needed the money that would that was going to free up um, feed up a lot of wages. I think Mateta went out and loaned. Obviously, there's the purchase option as well, which would give them a bit of much needed uh, cash injection. So they just really needed to look at it that. Uh, balance it out the risks from that. Yeah, it's, it's just you just you think about Friday night and how like 
like you said, Sergio, you didn't you didn't any, end up wasting your time. I feel like I just wasted an hour and a half watching that game. It was just so poor and so many big expectations of, you know, this is a game both teams need to win. So very disappointing on Friday night. And Saturday didn't live up to much either. A couple of shock kind of results I think we may as well talk about first. I mean, um, a big win for uh, Hertha, um, Fergal, would you say? You know, that, that that's a win that they needed to beat Augsburg and to get themselves ahead of the bottom. Definitely, obviously, they appointed a, a new manager or a manager came back in the shape of Paul Dudal, but it was the first one in nine games. And if they hadn't got that kind of duty like a back goal, penalty goal late on, they were they were right down there. They've got a little bit of breathing space now. They did well that Laszlo Benish was a wonderful volley, took the lead for Augsburg. Mm. They didn't drop their heads. Piontek scored a great headed goal and said they were lucky enough to get that last minute penalty winner. Their hurt aren't out of the woods, yes. Bielefeld, well, we will come on to them. I think at least Mines and Bielefeld have appointed new managers. If one team, I hate to say dry, could get dragged into this is Cole. Mm-hmm. No, I, I totally agree with that as well. They had a, uh, an interesting game on the Sunday. Uh, but I think Hertha's win did that. Took, it, it's brought Kiln back into it. Um, it's made sure they're definitely not going to have that distance. And like you said, they've created their breathing space. Um, you, you can't really... I know Hertha have been back in Vital Liga recently, in recent times, but you couldn't really imagine them going back down again just now, just with the, the resources they have, with the money they've spent on players. It just wouldn't... It just would be... It'd probably be on par with Shelwick going down as well, I'd say, just because what they've done in recent times with money, managers and things like that. The, the amount of investment that, that has gone into that club in the last 18 months, but they're kind of adopting the Schalke approach, they're changing the ma- management team on a regular basis, and you can throw loads of money at a project, but you need stability there. Definitely. I think, well, as I said, it was the first win in nine games, so it's given them a bit of breathing space. We'll see how, how they react react to that. Yeah, we'll need to see how they go in the next match. The um, big win for Hoffenheim, uh, Colin. They've kind of they've turned a corner um, under Hunes, uh, Hunes, sorry, and um, it's, 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 a, it's a big result. And Wolfsburg, shock, a shocking result for them, you know, and... We'll come on to the, the red card later on because that was just unbelievable what happened with that. But um, Hoffenheim first, um, great, great, great win. And that's them, um, you know, Colin, they've kind of turned the corner. Yeah, I mean, I, they were in slight relegation danger. Well, they were in the battle a few months ago, but I don't think we ever seriously considered that they would end up getting relegated. They certainly get the squad to be much higher on the table with this looks set to Spanish constantly in mid-table. But, I don't know, you just never know what you're going to get from them. You, they've had such good performances in some games, like against Bayern, but then they've also lost 4-0 to Schalke. So, one of those seasons where they've been so inconsistent. I mean, in the Europa League as well, I think wasted chances really cost them against Mulder. They had so many shots, but just failed to take them. But at least they managed to bounce back in the league from that result because that eases a bit of pressure on Honus. Because like we both said previously that it was really the European form that saved the coach. But at least from that setback, they've managed to get a, a really good result by beating Wolfsburg. 
and um, Fergal Wolfsburg have been a great side this season to watch and you know they've, they've, they've got the wins that they need and it's kind of a they've done what Dortmund should be doing I think I think they've kind of flipped with Dortmund this season but that's a, that's a bit of a poor result uh, at the weekend yeah, Wolfsburg, they were the team in form. It was, I think, their first defeat in 10 Bundesliga games. They'd gone seven straight games, keep keeping a clean sheet. So, yeah, it was a really big shock. But well done to Hoffenheim. They secured Baumgartner on an extended contract to 2025. And he came good with, a, I think, the opening goal for them. But like to Wolfsburg, when you've got a player like Valverkhorst on your team, you've got your guaranteed goals. and. All praise of this year, quite rightly, has gone to the Lewandowski's and to the Haaland's of this world. But Van Verkost, he's not far behind. Definitely. And I think the same goes for Kramaric and uh, Hoffenheim. You know, I think that's what the biggest thing for Hoffenheim was, that they had Kramaric. When Kramaric was injured, you saw what happened. They got down. And look at them now. Kramaric is back. He's scoring goals again. So it's an interesting one um, with that. But look, you you look at that old folks, but we need to talk about that red card. I mean... (coughs) Surely just let the boy score. Like you're going to play next week. I don't know. He's got a four-game match ban now. It was literally the last kick of the game. Your team were losing two-one. If it's one-all or you're one and one-nil, take the red card and, and walk away with the point. But not when you were losing two-one. Plus the tackle was extremely reckless. Terrible. I think. He, he could have actually held down his arm and maybe dragged him back his jersey, but that two-footed lunge was, was shocking. He literally... It's shocking, but also impressive that he actually went and did it. I just, I still don't understand what was going through Otavio's head when he when he went for it. And you saw De Boer's shock. Like, what is this, what is he doing? I mean, just, I don't understand why you would do that. I mean, Colin, I mean, you're assuming you saw it as well. It's just... It's, it, it, it's up there with the crazy moments of the season, like Juan Mangatunga scoring that goal where he's like walked over the line and other things, like you know, all the kind of goalkeeping misses that Hedetsky's had this season. But that, it's just got to be the moment of the season, surely. Just mental. It's just, I think the only reason we're talking about it in a good way, or not a good way, but like more light-hearted, is the, the fact that Bull didn't get injured from it. I think it would have been a lot different conversation, but because it's been portrayed like that, it's, it's such a strange moment, wasn't it? It's very, very entertaining. Um, I think what what added to it because uh, the keeper was running back as well. Because I don't, I don't know if Otavio thought that maybe there was a danger that um, Castells would take down Dabur as well, so the keeper yeah. would get sent off instead. He was maybe taking one for the team, but totally needless. But I mean, it was worth it. Worth it for the laugh. Hopefully, worth it for the entertainment. But um, I mean, if you want to talk about the other games, I mean, Leipzig took a took a, a quick. Uh, jump at the top of the Bundesliga, you know, obviously quite quite um, short-turned when the Bayern game happened later that day. Uh, 3-0 win, you know, pretty pretty impressive, just to, especially the way Freiburg have been playing this season. Fergal, I mean, do you think like Leipzig have it in them to go and actually challenge Bayern, or do you think that they might crumble again? I don't know. I think this, this season, not, not a lot. Well, not as much was expected of them, given it, the kind of players they, they've sold uh, post-season. Listen, was their first win in Freiburg in three seasons. They're breathing down Barnes next. They're only two points behind, and they're playing them, I think, on match day 27 on Easter Saturday in Leipzig. 
winner takes all. And I think this, this is the year, if they're serious about it, like Bayern are, they have lapses in concentration. Their recent first half performance have been pretty bad or concede an early goal. So if a team can score early and then try and stop the likes of Lewandowski scoring, it, it's there for them this year. Obviously, every other team has kind of fallen by the wayside. And if anything, probably the sooner Leipzig go out of the Champions League, probably the better for them. During the semi-finals at the Pokal, that and the Bundesliga, let them concentrate on that. Definitely. It could, be, it could be an interesting end of the season for Leipzig, I think. Um, I mean, Colin, you know, Freiburg just kind of starting to settle for where they are now in the table. It seems a couple of poor results recently, but they've, they've still had a great season and this, they, they don't need to worry about anything. Yeah, they've always, they've always got realistic expectations. They never really get too far ahead of themselves. And survival is the, the key each season. I was quite surprised by the, the manner of the results this week because they tend to have a very good record against Leipzig. I think it's heard that they've won the last three home games against them. Quite often they've got draws away to Leipzig as well, so it was quite surprising that it was such a comfortable win for them. But mm. I think, yeah, they're in the top half. They're more than happy with that. Um, and if they manage, I mean, it's, it's quite difficult weighing up if getting into Europe for them would be a disadvantage because you've seen previous years that they've managed to get into Europe. They don't really have the squad to cope with the demands of that and league football maybe culminates in a relegation battle. So I think round about an eighth, ninth finish would probably be, be ideal for them, particularly moving into their, their new stadium, which I saw is pretty much ready now. That looks really good. Yeah, no, it does. And I'm, I'm actually quite impressed that they've decided that they're not going to play there until they get a fans on. I think that's um, quite a good idea, you know, just to keep that special for the fans. I know everyone will be missing. Like, I'm so gutted that I'll never get to be in the Schwarzwald Stadion. Um, you know, it's, what, it's, what a great stadium. So I think, but I think it's, an, it's a nice idea that they're going to hang on for the fans to be in there for the first time. The other two games that happened at the weekend, on the Saturday, sorry, was Gladbach and beat by Leverkusen. I just feel like there's not much to talk about that game. I, with the Frankfurt Stuttgart game, you know, both both games just kind of dwindled out, didn't they? It was one of those weekends that some of the games just didn't live up to expectations. But quickly, maybe on Gladbach, that's Dago. You know, are they, are yeah, they I think it was two two teams in a really bad run of form, and it was the match neither team could afford to lose, and uh, Gladbach did. So they they haven't won a game in seven. And so since Marco Rose's report announcement, they've lost five games under bounds. So I think if they want to rescue the season, potentially they could change the manager before the end of the season. I don't know if they've earmarked someone to take over next season, but perhaps now, now is the time to change and before they go into free fall. Yeah, they yeah. went from the and they've been a bad run of form. So it, it's kind of save their season it gives them a chance remotely to go for that kind of probably the four champions league spot no it definitely was and i i think at the start of doing this podcast me and Ronan especially said uh, we both thought that leverkusen would finish fifth and then they started over 
maybe not not overexpeeding the expectations, but you thought when losing Havertz and Volland that they were maybe going to falter a wee bit, and they weren't, and they were doing really well under Bosch, and then as soon as January hit, they've just started going downhill, and they've kind of came back to maybe where a lot of people thought they would be finishing. But they're, they're still hot on the tail of um, Frankfurt. Um, you know, they they had a pretty, don't want to say disappointing draw, but since they, they hit that height of beating Bayern, they just, they just haven't played at all. Um, which is kind of disappointing. Um, and then their next game is going to be a big game against Leipzig, which we'll come on to in a minute. Um, but then that leads us on, you know, to the the, the Saturday night game, which was as the the English um, the English narrative of it is the De Classica, but Germany they don't like to call it that. Um, it's a bit of a strange. It's a strange thing to talk about. You know, many people don't like this De Classica. Many people just call it as Bayern versus Dortmund. You know, I see it as in like. Having you know, calling Chelsea and Liverpool, for instance, they're classical. They're nowhere near each other. They're not. They don't really have much in common with each other apart from the two big clubs in the country. Um, but without going into the politics of the the classical, Fergal, um, and what what did you think of the game? Did you did you manage to to see it or see the highlights? And it's just yeah, it was it was my son's seventeenth birthday last Saturday, so I set remotes and I kind of watched it Sunday morning. Mm. Which was a bit of a mistake because I kind of already knew the results. So yeah. I knew when Alan scored those two early goals, it was still there was going to be no, not no joy for Dortmund. I think what people got to remember is the dreadful run form Dortmund had going into. I think they'd lost something, lost six games at the Allianz Arena to combine total of I think scoring three goals and conceding twenty six. They lost the last. Three games, what, 4 0, 5 0, and 6 0. They've been down. Uh, Jaden Sancho wasn't in the squad, Rafael Guerrero, and amongst others. So, for the fact of them to go into 2 0 lead and take nothing from the game, they will probably be disappointed. But really, did anyone expect them to get a result down there in the first place? I, I doubt it. Yeah, it kind of planned out the way everyone thought it was going to, in a way. That- yeah. Dortmund might give them a fright, but you knew Bayern were always going to have that um, cavalry to come back, and you know, and uh, everything in that Bayern team is just it's built to do things like that. They've, I feel like they've played better since they go two goals behind. How many games have they went two goals behind now, and they've came back and they've just they've just robbed the team now? It's crazy. They did it to Mainz. I think Bielefeld were the only team that held out for a draw. I think the biggest surprise was the fact it took them to the 88 minute to score that third goal like Dortmund were nearly at the finishing line and I think they'd have, even if they went to an up they'd have loved to take a point away from you from Munich but it wasn't to be no there was a lot of controversy over the third goal the tackle on Emre Chan was it a tackle wasn't a tackle should the ref have won but it was still a very good goal from Leon Goretzka that fourth goal by was just the icing on the cake from Lewandowski. Ah, definitely. I think it's just, yeah. I won't. I won't say Dortmund are a one-man band, but when they've got Howling in the team and when he isn't in the team, it just shows the total difference. Ah, hundred percent. And you even noticed the without Sancho as well. I think. Um, I mean, Carl, I bring you in in the the, the chat from Bayern game. I think that the biggest moment in that game was when it was two 0 and Mooney is running up with Haaland 
and he's got two. I mean, he's got. He could have a million options. It's like Stuart Armstrong against England when we were winning two one, and he had a million options, and he chose the wrong one. Munier did that. Munier like crossed to the hall. If he got better across the hall, if he shot, it might have went in. It might have been three 0 It could have been game over. Do you think that was the biggest issue? And you know, losing Sancho, where he might have been in that position at that time of the game. Yeah, yeah. Firstly, Munier isn't an attacker. He's he probably the mist descended. 3-0 is totally different from 2-0. I know Barn one scored four goals in the end, but realistically, if Dortmund went 3-0 ahead, Barn weren't going to come back. They weren't going to score four goals. It's just so disappointing. And Minier has just been one of those signings this season that I think that he's maybe flattered to deceive at PSG. You know, maybe, I don't know, I'd maybe quite critical of the player. Uh, but I just don't think he's, he's he's not replaced Hakimi the way that they needed Hakimi replaced either. Yeah, I don't think he's he's definitely not as good going forward as Hakimi. I don't think he's looked particularly strong defensively as well. But yeah, I think that more was a turning point in the game. Like even I, mean, I don't I don't agree with BT's commentary much, but even well, they I said at that point commentary anymore. And I'm quite lucky. <laughs> so what what were they yeah. saying? Hey, well, well um, Nigel Spackman, I think he was the co-commentator, and I think he said at the time that 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 could that will be a turning point when uh, not Hakimi, if only uh, Munier took the wrong option, and then um, Bayern got that goal back just not long afterwards. I mean, that totally changed it. I mean, I think Dortmund really couldn't keep up the intensity during the game. I think the first like 10, 20 minutes they were. I mean, going forward, getting those goals, but they afterwards they just really sat back, and I think by the second half they just looked knackered. Like hmm. quite a few teams seem to struggle with fatigue. In the Bundesliga this week, I think, I think a lot of the teams are looking quite tired. But Dortmund, especially, we'd previously spoken about how Bayern would probably be fresh because Dortmund were playing midweek and. Bayern had rested players the week beforehand, so they were a lot more fresh, and I think that showed with getting those late goals. They were just they just had the fitness and they have the mentality to come back from two goals down, like they've done many times previously. I think it shows a bit of naivety from Terzic in that respect. The 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 game plan was great. The game plan only really worked for the first twenty minutes. Um, and then after that, they were totally exploited and it worked. Or do you think it's just, like you said, about the fatigue of the players? I mean, that's just something that's happened to every team in the world. Just look at Liverpool, for example. How like That's one of the main reasons why they're struggling. Uh, do you think that's maybe something to do with Dortmund? Or would you blame Kersic for the kind of tactical side of it? I mean, they were, they were so close to getting a draw, though. Like It was only a couple of minutes ago that Bayern got the winning goal. And then, obviously, they added another not long after that. So if they'd managed to hold out, then you would have said getting a point at the Allianz, that would have been a great result and really good tactical move by Terzic. But now when they, they lose the game, maybe they thought if they'd been a bit more attacking in the second half, tried to get another goal to give them a bit more distance between them and Bayern, then that could have been in the option. But you never, I mean, they were so close, but yeah, I just don't think they had the legs in the end. Yeah, it was just, it was, it was, I think it probably was a better game than I've probably made it out from the start. I think it probably was the best game of the weekend, uh, entertainment wise. Uh, but you know, Bayern just they, they got what they wanted. They needed this is the first time in a long time they've needed the three points. They've literally needed the three points because if they didn't, 
then the title race is open. So I think it just kind of proved their kind of quality going forward that if Leipzig do end up catching up, Bayern might always be that one step, two step ahead of them. Uh, but we'll move on to the kind of Sunday games, you know, not much in the Köln Vader Bremen game. And Bremen, Bremen, I think, I, I always think every time I talk about Köln, I'm going to sound biased, but I thought Köln played well for most of the game. And then Bremen got their goal and they, then they started latching on. Collins making a face, like, what game were you watching? Um, but, you know, it's just, it was a, it was a game that, both teams, the, the point was deserved in the end. I thought it was quite well played. But I thought that what was quite interesting about the Bielefeld in the on Berlin game, and I don't know what you guys think of it because it's a bit different, but there was a big um, collision between Luther and Riverson, and there was about 10 minute delay in the game. A lot, there's been a lot of chat, especially in the UK, about that just now, about like head collisions and things like that, and like concussion substitutions. Like they delay the game for 10 minutes and then they both the players to, to continue. I mean, Fergal, I'll, I'll go to you first, see what you think. Like, do you not think it's a bit of a? It's just, it just it's getting to that stage in either the the game that they can yeah. they, they I, can I, that. Yeah, I think you've got to relax the substitution rule to allow for head injuries and maybe bring on a fourth substitute. I think it's hard when one of the players injured is your goalkeeper. Mm. It really restricts your options. I I don't know what people fells the keeper did on the bench or so if it's one of your primary players is probably harder. But yeah, how are you genuinely going to medically test someone in that short space of time and see if they're suffering any consequences of that? And it was a really bad knock. Then, like, Colin, do you think it's more to do with the fact that the player's always going to say, oh, no, I'm fine. It's fine, I'll play on. I'll, I'll play on, it's fine. Do you think that's obviously going to play into it because you, you're not going to force them off? Yeah, it's difficult for the, the physios and doctors because yeah, the players the players will always want to play on and put pressure on them, but they're obviously I mean, they just had a head knock, they're not in the best frame of mind to make that decision, don't have the medical knowledge. I think even coaches maybe would obviously would rather the player played on. So the the doctors are in a really difficult position, but so I think that's why you need to be more of a an incentive for them to take that step because if it if it does um, disadvantage them from a, a playing perspective. I mean, using one of their sub, like two of their subs, early in the game, then they're less inclined to, to make that decision. But so maybe a, as Phil said, like a relaxation of the substitution rules would be the right option to do that. Yeah, definitely. I just thought it'd be uh, to kind of bring up. It's just a very strange, strange circumstance recently. This happened a couple of times, and just it was the like it was such a big knock as well. And it kind of, I don't know if you, you agree, Fergal, but it kind of destroyed the game as well, but because of the length of the time it took. And if we were, if you're thinking about it, it's only a footballing perspective where the game continues. The game then still has the fight from what it started because it was very early on. It was about four minutes into the game, I think. I, I suppose when, when there's an injury like that, you've got to treat the players on, on the pitch. You, mm. you can't kind of move them around too much if there's a head injury. I think. Definitely relax the substitution rules. So if it's a head injury, you kind of you can use more more substitutions. And I think it's got to be taken out of the players' hand. Like a player is going to say, "Yeah, I'm fit to continue." Should be taken out of the players' hand. And if anything, there's a neutral doctor in the venue or someone who hasn't kind of any allegiance either of the teams, and they make the decision. Obviously, it could impact on on the match and. 
Beaver felt needed the points, but what's one or two points lost to six months down the line? The person has a kind of a brain injury as a result of it, an accident six months earlier that wasn't kind of properly treated at, at the time. Oh, definitely. Um, it's just strange, strange kind of circumstances, but it, the game, I mean, not much else happened from that game, Colin, would you say? I mean, uh, it was just, it ended up dwindling out and neither team could score. No, I mean, I think Union were particularly quiet. I thought they were quite disappointing. A bit of an opportunity missed for Bielefeld. Said a lot of the play. Just just like in previous games, they just uh, didn't really have the quality to create the chances. And I actually, I wouldn't have been surprised if Union had ended up going on to win the game because they just really hadn't looked dangerous. But Bielefeld hadn't taken their chances. But Lights of Cruiser were quiet, so that never really came to pass. I think the draw was the right result. Probably a no knows what the game deserved. Sorry to interject, on just looking at the match highlights there. I think Endo Keita missed two chances for Union late, late on that. Perhaps he yeah. should have scored one of the two. But listen, it was probably a good point, first point for Frank Kramer. I think he kind of changed the tactics, they played a higher line. So it's probably positive, more positives for Beerlsfeld than Union. Union will feel they were in a chance of getting the Europa League position. And it's probably two points dropped for them, one point game for Beerlsfeld. So that leads us nicely on to just some breaking, I say breaking news, but it happened today uh, or yesterday as this podcast goes out. Uh, before we head into the, our usual quiz, um, obviously Joachim Love um, is now going to definitely be leaving the German national team, Colin. Uh, strange timing? Yeah, I mean, the, t- the team have been on decline, really. I mean, the, the last World Cup was a disaster and they've never really properly recovered to that. I think he's always been under pressure. I don't really know why it's come out now. I mean, it's ha- going to be happening after the European Championships. I don't know if it's maybe something to do with maybe... Thomas Muller is going to come back in the national scene. I think that was always difficult for a love when he decided to leave those players out in the cold because I think it was maybe a bit premature. They're still, a couple of years later, very much in the, the top level in the Bundesliga. Maybe deciding to go for those players and bringing them back onto the scene. Muller in particular anyway, maybe that's something to do with it. Yeah, no, and like Colin said, Fraggle, it's just been a bit disappointing for the, the Germans the past wee while. I do think he just kind of not maybe overstayed his welcome, but it was kind of like an Arsene Wenger effect where they were doing great and they were doing things, but they just weren't getting to where the club wanted to get to and the change was needed eventually. Yeah, I, I, I think the change should have happened maybe after the 2018 World Cup, hmm. probably two, two or three years too late. But I, I would I would question uh, the announcement now. What why would you change or announce the manager change in post tournament when there's four months to the three months to go? How is that going to impact on the players? Are they going to take them seriously in the run up to the tournament? It's far better maybe for the DFB to know what they're going to do, but don't make the announcement until after the tournament. Like, imagine what would happen if Germany won the tournament, and unlikely as it is, and, and Yogi lost 
do straight after. I think you've also asked an interesting question is who is going to take over? Yeah. Quick off the blocks today to say he he he's not interested. I think people thought he, he was a potential manager a year or two down the line, but for this to come up so soon when he's still under contract at Liverpool, I, I don't know what candidates are out there or who who there used to be a time for a manager when kind of managing the international team was the pinnacle of your career. Look at England and the amount of managers they've had over the years. They can't give the job away to some respect. It'd be interesting to see who, who's in the forefront. I think the one thing about Germany is they will always go with a, a German national. They're not going to look abroad to manage the team. 100%. Good traditions. It's good traditions that they have with the, the kind of national team, I think. And like you said about Klopp, he's just, I don't think Klopp's um, wanting to do that at the moment. And um, as you said about the national team thing, it's, it's very interesting because it seemed to be national team was the pinnacle, like you said there, but now it's kind of like, well, I'll miss the club football and I'll miss training every week. So I don't think, and Klopp's very, um, very respectful as in every, every club he's been at, he's either, he's, he's gone until he's been sacked or he's, he's listed the, the, his contract as well. So I don't think he's not going to do that at Liverpool unless he leaves. Um, Colin, what do you think about people that um, can have been put up to it? Hansi Flick's one, been interesting. He's done everything at Bayern. Maybe he'll, he'll go down that route. Uh, Stefan Kuntz, who's the under-21 uh, manager at the moment, he's also been spoken about because it's a, it's a natural progression for Germany to do that as well. Um, Ralph Ragnick, but I don't think Ragnick is going to take it. I think he's more interested in a big project than... Uh, consolidating and making the German national team that one step better than they already are. So, do you think there's any other kind of candidates you can think of, or is that the kind of three main ones? Taking Klopp aside because he's he's ruled himself out. There's no point talking about Klopp anymore. But uh, is that is that what you kind of think as well? That's good to say. I mean, Kuntz, uh, I wouldn't be too surprised. I mean, this does seem to be the German thing now to promote from within. So, mm. someone that's had experience of the youth setup. Similarly to at club level, when you manage the youth team, quite often the next progression is to become the head coach. So he could be an option. Ralph Ryanick would be quite surprised. I saw um, Derek Gray say earlier about him, but it'd be quite surprised. Well, you're going to say Derek Gray linked it. <laughs> <laughs> I would He'd take probably that. do a good job. Too. Give Derek Gray Derek the national team. We're, we're back. <laughs> sorry, sorry for interrupting. I just that's all I, the way it came up. I thought you were saying Derek Gray is in for the job. I mean, he probably would be do a great job. Well, he can speak German, he could speak to the players. Well, <laughs> never know. Hector would definitely get a call up <laughs> again. Like, you do the <laughs> back in his squad. <laughs> but yeah, sorry, continue. Yeah, so your insight. Derek, De- Derek said uh, that if Ryan Nick was to be in charge, he'd probably want to overhaul the whole setup. So mm. you'd be gambling a lot by going for Rangnick because you're really investing so much power in one person. I think that's why he doesn't really... He gets linked with a lot of club jobs, but it doesn't end up happening because he would end up wanting the coach and the sporting director role. So because he wants so much control, this maybe would make the DFB a bit more reluctant. Flick would be an interesting one as well. Maybe he doesn't feel his time's up at Bayern, but he has been the assistant for the national team, so he... He knows the setup as well, so I think those those three are some of the main candidates. Someone like Nagelsmann, I don't really see. I mean, we're talking about how really club 
football was now seen as the pinnacle and he's not really had the success that he wants yet. He's not won a major trophy yet. I don't think he would step into national football until in international football until he'd done something like that. Moved to a bigger club and won trophies that way. So yeah, interesting to see that there's a definitely. few candidates, maybe not any obvious ones. Uh definitely. And I just think the DFA have got an interesting decision to make in the hands. I think this is something like we all kind of mentioned. This is something that could have been kept in house for a while. They knew I think everyone knew Liv was going to leave at some point and probably after this tournament, but many were also thinking he'd maybe get the guitar tournament uh, as well. So it's, it'll be interesting to see what DFB come up with. Uh, but, yep, Yogi Love has definitely left the, the German national team as of recording yesterday. So now we're, we'll finish things up with our usual quiz, which I'm not looking forward to the defeat already because, Fergal, I always lose to the guest. So no matter if you come on and say, oh, I'll be terrible at this, you will win. It's just going to happen. It always happens. You put the pressure on me there, big style. I listened to your quiz last week, and as I said, I had struggled to answer one of them. So I hope, I hope it's it's more general than uh, Scottish players in the Bundesliga. Well, we'll see what Colin came up with. <laughs> we'll, see, we'll see what Colin has come up with anyway. Definitely, Colin. Well, you can go for it. Let's see if the German football podcast tradition continues of the guest always winning. So, it's a bit of a new idea for this week. Oh, Not no. really anything we've done before. So, we're going to flash back to pre-COVID times when we had fans in the stadiums and a little higher or lower quiz for it based on attendances from last season. So, 2019-20, for the period that fans were actually in the grounds, the average attendances. So, I'm going to start with a club and then I'll go to Fergal first. You have to guess... The club I give you, if it's higher or lower than the previous one, then it'll go to Roy and so on. Okay. So I'll start off with Eintracht Frankfurt, whose average attendance was 50,200. And I'm going to ask Fergo if Gladbach was higher or lower than that. I would go higher. Not much higher. I think the capacity is 52, 53. Most of them are sellouts, so I'm going higher, Colin. It's higher, yes. So Gladbach were 51,103, so that's a point. They're all quite similar, though. This is going to be difficult. They all kind of like rank between that kind of... We'll see how it goes. Oh, I'm interested. Yeah, see how it goes. So you, uh, Hertha, Roy, were they higher or lower than Gladbach? So Gladbach was 51,103. Are Hertha higher or lower than that? I think the thing is they don't fill their stadium, but their stadium's also huge. So it's thinking about the the differentiation of like what the empty seats actually are. Oh. I'm going to say lower, but I think it might be. I don't know. I'd say lower because they don't have they don't yeah. fill it. It is lower, thank God. I don't have yeah. to. Um, Forty nine. 49,271. So and that's... Was it 80,000? The Olympic Stadium is. It's 74,000. Yeah. 74, okay. uh, I think yeah. unless Dortmund or Bayern Munich are visiting, they, they struggle to get yeah. that capacity. Okay, Colin, what are we going next? So, in comparison to Hertha, we're going for Stuttgart. So, bearing in mind that this was last season, so this is Zweite Liga attendances for oh. Stuttgart. 
you got me, you got me there. I think Stuttgart capacity is in around 50, 51,000, but maybe in the Zweiter League, a lot of teams wouldn't bring a bigger weight fall into Stuttgart. So I'm going to hedge my bets, cross my fingers, and say lower. It's higher. Oh, really? I would have went lower. As Even well. though they were in the second tier, yeah. 51,657. Wow. I suppose they would. I mean, they had, I, th- I think, the, the home game against Karlsruhe, that, that was uh, with fans. So that probably had a, a similar yeah. crowd. And then there's probably mm-hmm. other big teams. So, right. yeah, that was 51,657. So that was higher than Hertha, even though it was the second division. So we're going to stick with the Zweite Liga for Roy and ask if Hattisfall were higher or lower than Stuttgart. Oh, wow. So we're not just... Oh, wait. So we're we're jumping leagues here. We're not just staying... But okay. Um, Oh, that's that's difficult. I think they're 54,000. I'm going to say higher. Nope, that's lower. 47,317 was the average for Hamburg. Okay, first one wrong. Oh, no. See, I told you, Fago, it's going to happen. Yes, so we'll stick, stick in the north for the next one for Fergal. Werder Bremen. Higher, higher or lower than, what did you say, Alice, was 47? 47,317, Oh, I've got a sneaking suspicion Bremen's capacity is lower, albeit not much lower, so I'm going to say lower. Lower, yeah. 40,821 for Werder Bremen. I didn't realise it was much lower, but... Well done, so that's 2-1 to Fergal. So, Roy, Fortuna Dusseldorf, higher or lower? Your, your attendances are terrible. Especially in this middle year. Sorry. Um, can you repeat the number again? 40, what? For Bremen? Werder was 40,821. I think it's higher than that, though. But I think it's it's not as big as the full stadium capacity. I'm way higher. Yes. Uh, I mean, bearing in mind, this would offer Bundesliga for this. So this was... 43,324. Okay. Two, two. So compared to compared to Fortuna, where Nuremberg higher or lower, Fergal? So Nuremberg were in the Zweitzelig. I think the capacity is 45, 46,000, but they're probably at a lot of games that weren't so out. So I'm going to hedge my bets once again and go lower. Yes, that's right. Nuremberg had 29,618. Really? Wow. I think it was that low. Oh, I thought their stadium was, about, like you said, forty five to 50,000. A lot bigger than it looks. I think it's about, about 50,000. Mm. Quite often for the Spital League games, they have a lot of empty seats, so... Max Moore. Comparing to Nuremberg's 29,618, was Hanover last season higher or lower? They had another one that the, the stadium never looks that full, especially in the Vita Liga. 
I'm going to say just it's got it's got a bit higher. The camp at Lord is twenty nine thousand. It is higher, but it's closer than you think. It's twenty nine thousand nine hundred eighty three for Hanover. Oh my God. Really? Wow. They're another club that just don't seem to fill the stadium as well as you think they should. For the kind of where they are, they're kind of their own wee bit, though. You know. So for Fergal, buy a Leverkusen. Is that higher or lower than Hanover? Fucking sorry, Hanover was again 29,983. Oh, we're talking margins here. I've gone lower for about the past three, so I'm, I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to say higher. It's lower. Oh. Leverkusen only had 27,770. Three each now, so this is your chance to go ahead, going into the final match, not match day, <laughs> final <laughs> goal each. So this is your second last goal, Roy, and then it's your last goal each. Oh, so right. Leverkusen, twi- Leverkusen was 27,770. What about Dynamo Dresden? Was that higher or lower? Well, it's Vital Liga, but they still get good attendance. They must be. Yeah, they were at Vital Liga. They must be 30 something. I'm going higher. Lower. Oh, for God's sake. Dresden were 27,232. I just wanted to set it up for the time, like the winner take all of the end. That's what that was. Yeah, we'll, we'll be soon into something, Dad. I hope you're hope not going to. Hope it's not a draw after this because I've got none left after this. <laughs> right. Kaiser's Lauten Fergal. Was that higher or lower than Dresden? Listen, they've got a massive ground, but they're doing really poorly in the Dreyfus League. So I'd say fans have fallen off over the years, so I'm, I'm going lower. Yep, that's right. Kaiserslautern had an average of 19,269. Really? God. This so thing, here's the big one. Yeah. This thing is huge. It's about 49.50, yeah. Last day in one, I want to go to. Less than half full. Right. The big one to level it or lose it, right? Armenia Bielefeld, higher or lower than Kaiserslautern? Give me the number again. Sorry. As soon as you say the name, the team name, the number goes out of my head. 19,269 was Kaiserslautern. It's got to be more there. Their stadium's about 30, is it not? But I, I don't want to say more. Because the last time I said it's got to be more, it was wrong. Um, is there an option to say it's going to be the exact same? Not that I'm, I'm choosing that, but is that not, has that ever been an option? <laughs> I mean, you go for that if you want. It's very unlikely, though. But... No, 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 don't worry. I'm going to go higher, and I'm going to regret my decision. It is higher. It's <laughs> 21,190, right? Okay, I'm going to... Step with us for a tiebreaker. I'm going to look up an attendance and I'm going to ask you both to guess it to the nearest thousand and the person that's closest wins. I'm going to go for Bochum. What was oh. Bochum's attendance last season? To the, um, And the nearest person that gets it right. Well, the capacity of the stadium, but I know they're well supported. I'm, I'm going to say 
25,396. Right, my, my instinct was to go for 27,342. We're keeping up the tradition of the guest winning. So Fergal's the closest guest there. Bochum's average last season was 17,334. So well done to Fergal. Roy, unlucky again. Another loss to the guest in the quiz. Oh, well, I told you, Fergal, you'd, you'd, you'd definitely win. If you play against me, you're going to win. I enjoyed that, and it was easier than last week's. You definitely won last week, or I couldn't have answered one of them. So thanks very much for that, Colin. Uh, fair enough. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of just quitting this podcast now. I've not won a quiz. I, I came up with the idea for the quiz, and I've not won once. I've never won once. The only times I won is when me and Cronin did it on our own, and that doesn't count because it was just me that was taking part. So interesting one, but there we go, Fergal. You, you've been you've been crowned the, the new the new king of quizzes on the the, the Jared Fitter podcast. Well done. But no, I was like, that was a good one. Hopefully, um, everyone enjoyed the kind of different chat with ground hopping and stuff like that, and fan culture at the start. Um, and then, you know, um. Like, again, just kind of remind everyone where we can get help here from if they've not already looked into it or if they want to, if they're itching for the next issue to come out, where would they get it? Yeah, yeah, we're kind of active on social media. Twitter's our kind of main, main forum. It's Hardbeer UK if you Google us on Twitter. And there's a link to the Big Cartel store on our Twitter homepage where you can get past, past copies some left in print, not many, issues one to five in digital and subscriptions and future copies for sale via Big Cartel Store. Issue six hours in sometime late May, early June. So it was great having you on, Fergal. You know, good good chatting about everything. Um, I'd still definitely be reading help for you in the future anyway. So be, it's, it was good to have you on, a bit of insight about everything as well. So cheers for coming on. Cheers, Roy. Cheers, Connor. Really appreciate that. Um, Keep up your good work with the podcast. It's always interesting to listen to your perspective on German football each week. So keep it up, guys. And oh, thanks very you. much for having me on. No problems at all. Thanks very much. So that was a good podcast there. Hopefully some interesting things to look back on. But next week um, we'll be back. Um, hopefully Ronan will be back. Ronan's away doing something to do with cricket, which we will ex- pretend is acceptable. Um, so Ronan will be back at some point um, next week, hopefully, and we'll see you there. Scotland!